Welcome to the sermon podcast of Gamble Street Baptist Church, Fort Worth, Texas. Gamble Street Baptist Church has been sharing the gospel for over 100 years. This podcast includes sermons from our traditional Sunday morning service and our contemporary services on Sunday evenings. We hope God speaks to you through this sermon. I want to introduce myself. My name is Joseph. Not that Joseph. We all love and adore that Joseph. I am Joseph bar Joseph of Nazareth. I am Joseph's son, Jesus' brother. Now, you may be wondering, why are you talking today? Well, I have a testimony to give as well. And I just have to admit that it's interesting that the Bible does say some things about Joseph and his brothers. Uh, It does say some things about who Jesus' family was. It's not all good, and I'm going to come back and share about that. All that is known about me in your Bible is that I was a younger brother of Jesus. And even your scribes in communicating the Bible over the centuries couldn't get that right. Because sometimes I'm known as Joseph, sometimes I'm Joseph, sometimes I'm Jose, sometimes I'm Josist, other times John and Joseph. I don't know of any brothers of mine named John, so I'm glad that finally someone got something right there, but my name is Joseph. You could call me Joseph Jr., Now, that's not unusual necessarily for the third child to be called Junior. I mean, you have a football owner in town whose third child is Junior, Jerry Junior. But that's who I am. I'm perhaps the forgotten one. I'm that middle child. At least they don't get my names mixed up with uh, uh, Simon and Judah, my other younger brothers. Sometimes their names are in different orders. And at least I'm named because my sisters weren't named. I want to tell you about my experience with Jesus. I know that when you give a testimony, you're supposed to tell what your life is like before you knew Jesus, when you met Jesus, and after you met Jesus. I can't give my testimony that way because I never didn't know Jesus. He was my older brother. But I can come to you and talk to you about what my life was like in learning about Jesus. My testimony goes like this. As you've read in your own scriptures, and there are some passages listed in your bulletin that let you know some of those increments in my life about my understanding of my brother Jesus. But we just grew up with him, and they're named Jesus, and being as perfect as he was, your parents would often say, why can't you be like your older brother Jesus? And we're like, well, that's kind of hard to do. But we didn't really appreciate him so much because... You know, we didn't know who he was. He was just, you know, goody two-shoes. But we had to try and say, well, you mean that Jesus that abandoned you in the temple and stayed and made you go back three days' journey to find him? And then he smarts off at you and say, don't you know I'm supposed to be in my father's house? And I would think, how arrogant your father's house. We're all Israelites. It's our father's house. But I didn't know everything there was to know about this brother of mine. We grew up. He worked with dad in the carpenter shop, and then all of a sudden, he leaves, left us high and dry, and starts going around the countryside teaching, and we didn't understand why he did that. He left the, the family business. We, we knew that dad had died, and it was necessary then 
for him to take the mantle and lead. And he left and made us wonder what in the world is going on. I, you know, our mom would tell us some things growing up about the experience that she had had with the angel Gabriel and pondering these things up in her heart, what it might mean. And, and I know there's a famous song, Mary, Did You Know? And everyone says, yes, she did. No, she didn't know everything. She learned a lot as well. But she left, uh, he left and went off to talk to people and share things about God that we didn't understand. We just thought, this is our brother. He's been with us this whole time. What's going on here? Even the crowds were wondering who he was. We went to see him one time, and after he had spoken in the synagogue and declared that all of these scriptures from Isaiah were fulfilled in him, we joined the other crowds in saying, what are you talking about? The other people said, how is this so? This is, isn't he Jesus of Nazareth, the carpenter's son? Aren't his brothers and sisters here? Isn't his mother here? And we're like, yeah, we were there too. We wondered what in the world was going on. We had heard things, but we never really understood what was going on. And it wasn't enough that he would go and preach and teach in other places. He didn't really accept us anymore. There was one time when he was preaching in a house, and we went to see him. And we tried to get attention to him. Someone in the crowd was able to see him and said, Jesus, your mother and brothers are outside waiting for you. And do you realize how much he disrespected us? He said, who are my mother and my brothers? Those who follow me in the kingdom are my mother and my brothers and my sisters. Can you imagine being rejected by the one that you live with your whole life? We just couldn't believe what we were experiencing. What is going on? Well, as he went about preaching, he would tell people, you know, if you're going to follow me, you need to abandon your mother and father, sisters and brothers and family. And we said, well, you sure got that right. You practice what you preach. You abandon us like nothing to go off and preach this and John, the author of the Gospel of John, just didn't hold, any back, didn't hold back any punches when he started talking about us. I mean, if there's anything you want to say about the Scripture, it got us right. It, it, didn't, it didn't hide anything about us. It is true that as we saw Jesus going back and forth around town and town, sometimes stopping in Jerusalem, sometimes stopping in Nazareth, going back and forth through all these cities, we wondered what was going on. And even our cousin John, you know, the Baptist, the denomination you're named after, didn't know who Jesus was. We grew up with John. He was our cousin. Yet he even said he didn't know who Jesus was until he baptized him. And even then, he also doubted. There were lots of questions around who this Jesus was. John, as I was saying, records the fact that we were so belligerent toward Jesus. We said, well, if you're really who you say you are, if you're a real prophet, you're going to go to the festival with us and reveal yourself publicly. Because anyone who's a real prophet will make themselves known publicly. And you know what he told us? You go. I'm not going anywhere. The time's not right for me. And we sat back and wondered, what in the world did that mean? Here he has been preaching publicly, and then all of a sudden he decides he's going to hold back. This man was a control freak of the highest order. And what do we do? We leave. And did you know what John, the author, had the audacity to say? Well, even his brothers didn't believe in him. It was true. But to have it recorded for all time for everyone to read, 
we kept going. We kept watching. We wondered. We tried to stop him. There was one time when we did. We went to visit him, as I already told you. And it might, we were just concerned about him. We just knew that he was going to get caught up in the crowd or maybe his life would be in danger. We saw that as he was going around teaching, the religious leaders were coming after him and they were looking to kill him. We were trying to do whatever we could to save our brother. And yet the moment came when the religious leaders had had enough. Jesus enters into the city of Jerusalem on a donkey and everyone is praising him and we're wondering, wow, this has really gotten out of hand now. This is going nowhere but bad. And sure enough, he was arrested and tried. And before we knew it, we saw him on the cross. We sat back because we weren't there. We just knew he was on the cross. Our, our blessed mother was there, and the beloved disciple was there, and some other women were there. We just couldn't bear to be there. But even his own disciples were abandoning him by now. We just thought, see, we tried to prevent this. We really thought that we could stop this but he's brought it on himself. We felt for our mom. And you know another insult, the final insult, was that while Jesus is hanging on the cross, he declares that the beloved disciple is going to take care of our mother. Who did he think we were? We were there to take care of her when he died. And yet, he didn't trust us enough to take care of our own mother. And then it happened, he died. And we just thought, wow. What a waste. We tried to prevent it. It was something that just seemed to be going full steam without any stopping it. We thought about his disciples and how crushed they were, the fact that there was this movement that he was starting and it was gaining steam and gaining popularity. And we knew the religious leaders who we pretty much sided with because we had the same view of Messiah that they did. We were looking for a military political Messiah and our brother was certainly not that. He was just one of us, country boy, who just starts speaking as if he knew God personally. But now he's dead and it was over. We couldn't bring ourselves to go see him. We knew that we had uh, failed in many ways. We felt for our mother. We felt for the disciples who certainly felt abandoned, thought it was all over. The women came and they buried his body. And thank goodness for Joseph of Arimathea, giving, giving Jesus his, temp, his uh, tomb for, us, for him to use. And we just thought that was it. And the next 24 hours came and we wondered what is going to happen to all these people that followed Jesus. What is it going to mean to them? We know that there were concerns among the disciples that they would be next. The religious leaders would be coming to arrest them for participating in this insurrection of a movement. But it was quiet. The, the Jews, for all the ways they tried to manipulate the law to their purpose, were at least willing to stay back on Sabbath and not do anything. And then, early in the morning, the women went to the tomb to take care of his body and rumbling started going through the town and amongst the people. Something strange had happened. They said the tomb is empty and he's not there. What can that mean? And we wondered what that could mean. 
We knew that there was a plot against Jesus, and there were others who were seeking to uh, manipulate the facts, and we didn't know what was going on. We just knew that uh, we're, we're hearing that he's gone. If that's not an insult, I don't know what else to call it. It was that everything fell. And yet one of the ladies, Mary, came back to the disciples and said, He is risen. He is not dead. He is alive. We didn't know what to think about that. Maybe she saw a vision. Maybe the women were just out of their minds. Maybe they just wanted to wanted to be true so badly that they believed it to be true. But looking back later, we know that wasn't true. They were not in a position to expect Jesus to rise from the dead. Yes, Jesus throughout his ministry had said that he would be arrested and tried and crucified and, and then raised on the third day, but we didn't know what that meant. We only understood resurrection as an end time thing. Even Mary and Martha, when Jesus went to raise Lazarus from the dead, said, we believe in the resurrection. We just believe that that's the last day. And yes, he had performed many miracles and raised a few people from the dead, but they died again. So what did it mean that he was raised from the dead? We didn't understand what was going on. Then he starts appearing to different people. And as you can recall from 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says that Jesus appeared to Peter and to the apostles and to, to James, my brother. And he begins to appear to 500 at one time. He starts, to appearing, he starts appearing to all these other people. We, we, we learned about his visitation to Cleopas and the friend on the road to Emmaus and how he had broken bread with them and immediately they saw that it was Jesus. And so we had to wonder what in the world was going on. Could this really be? And then he appeared to James. And that's another little bit of an insult, I think, because we were there too. And I'll show you how we were there in a moment. But he appeared to James. And when we saw him, we could say all of this that he taught, we didn't understand. We thought it was wrong. We thought that he was going against God's law. And they killed him. But he rose. And everything changed. Not just me. Creation changed. History changed. Eternity changed. As the song goes, I am a life that was changed. You know my favorite verse in the Bible? Acts 1.14. Jesus had ascended into heaven after giving words of instruction and a promise of the Holy Spirit. And it says that the people returned from the place of Jesus' ascension, went into the upper room, and they waited for the promise of the Holy Spirit. And Luke tells you that not only were the apostles there, but the women at the tomb were there. The mother of Jesus was there. And his brothers. He rose. And everything changed. And I want to tell you today. That your life can't be the same. With Jesus rising from the dead. You have a decision to make today. Are you going to change in light of his resurrection? You can accept as a fact that Jesus rose from the dead. All of the historical evidence is there. 
the only and best explanation for the empty tomb is that he is risen. But you can't sit back and say, well, that was nice. You have to make a decision just like I had to make a decision. My whole understanding of who Jesus was changed because of the resurrection. Now I know why he acted the way he did. Now I understand the things that he said. The thing that changed most is to understand that what he said about being the fulfillment of all the Old Testament is true. We just didn't understand how it was going to be fulfilled. But now we look at the scriptures and we say, whatever they were saying, that's what it meant. It's fulfilled in Jesus. It all turns on Jesus. And you know that when the preaching of the gospel went out, it went out first to declare the resurrection of Jesus. There is no gospel without the resurrection. Paul has already told us that without the resurrection, our faith is in vain. We're still in our sins. We're to be pitied. But we have the eyewitness testimony that Jesus rose. And we can see the change in me and my brothers. We can see the change in Peter and the apostles. You can see the change that went out as the gospel spread within 30 years to the, to the, the capital of the Roman Empire. There's no other explanation for that than the resurrection. It's not just personal with me. It's cosmic. Jesus, as he had already said, was Messiah and Savior of the world. And as a result, I get the privilege of saying with you today, he is risen. He is risen. He is risen, he is risen. He is risen indeed. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Son. God became man, but we knew that Jesus was more than a man. We know now that through the resurrection, you have attested to him as your Son, as God in the flesh. And we know that we can't be the same because of that. I just ask right now that you will help us day by day to reflect upon what it means that we have been saved of our sins, that we have died to ourselves and been raised with you in baptism, that, that, that day by day we would live for you, that day by day we would recognize that our entire existence bears on the resurrection of Jesus, and that our life is defined by that moment, history is defined by that moment, and we long for the return of Jesus, that we may enjoy eternity with him forever. I just pray right now, Father, that we would take today to think about all that it means that Jesus rose from the dead. We love you and pray that you will help us day by day to live in such a way as we truly reflect what it means that Jesus rose from the dead and what it means to be your followers. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. I want to invite you to sing along with the invitation. Our pastor is going to come up. And if you have a decision to make, you want to make that public. That may be, as was already invited earlier, to make a profession of faith that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. It may be that you need to rededicate your life because the resurrection hasn't meant as much in your life as it should have. It may be that because of the, call of the, because of the resurrection, God has called your life as he had done the apostles and the brothers of Jesus 
to then serve him in a full capacity with all of who you are and not just uh, coming to church, but to actually give your life to serve him fully. Whatever the decision is before you today, I pray that you will be obedient to what God is calling you to do. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Gamble Street Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. If you have questions, we would love to speak with you. Please call 817-926-1785 to speak with a minister. If you live in or will be traveling to the Fort Worth area, we would love to have you visit. Gambrel Street Baptist Church has six church goals to reach the lost for Christ, to learn more about Christ, to touch the city through Christ, to train leaders to serve Christ, to embrace the world with Christ, and to build strong families in Christ. Please join us for our next episode.